listening to Salam Doll, the podcast where Muslim women don't fit the stereotypes, we break them. I'm your host, Zara Pedersen. You can find this episode and the full archive of all the episodes on zarapedersen.com. Welcome to the show. Salam Doll, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. You better believe it when I tell you that I have got for you today one of the most inspiring and fearless young women of our time. Today's guest is Ahlam Chimlali. Ahlam is an award-winning human rights activist and international scholar. She's currently a PhD fellow researching migration, borders, violence and gender in the North African borderlands. Over the last decade, Ahlam has worked in the UN and NGO sector within the fields of human rights and international development in several conflict and post-conflict settings. Her work has helped her conduct over 70 field missions in fragile and war-affected parts of the world across Sub-Saharan Africa, the MENA region and South Asia. Being an avid traveller and fearless motorcyclist has made Ahlem Denmark's youngest female member of the historic and exclusive Adventurers Club. I could go on and tell you so many more impressive things about this young woman, but I'm not going to do that because I'd rather that you listen to her. So without further ado, help me welcome to the show, Ahlam Chimlali. Ahlam, assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. I mean, you are by far one of, well, I have a lot of many badass friends but you're probably one of my first badass muslim friends where i was like this girl can't be muslim <laughs> she's too cool <laughs> yeah yeah well I, I i may have had the same thought about you then <laughs> <laughs> well thank you very much <laughs> but no honestly i mean you 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 have been a huge huge inspiration in my life with you, how you led your life and I've really appreciated that you are you know a woman who takes risks and definitely a woman by my own heart and it also helps that you're also Moroccan so <laughs> yay Morocco yeah <laughs> go, go Morocco <laughs> I'm, I'm blushing over here uh, hearing you say that but uh, I really I mean I'm, I'm also so proud of you and everything that you've accomplished and being here as part of your a guest at your podcast show is just yeah, amazing. And to the listeners, this is uh, this is the whole episode. Thank you for tuning in. We're just gonna let's sit here and just compliment each other. <laughs> All right. Um. Well, anyway, for those of you who don't listen, people who don't know you and are listening in for the first time, and they've just seen your name, give them an introduction. Who is this badass woman sitting here? <laughs> Well, yeah, um, uh, my name is Ahlam Shimlali, and uh, I'm currently a PhD uh, fellow at DIES in Copenhagen, a research institute called Danish Institute for International Studies. I grew up, uh, lived my whole life in Copenhagen, but been traveling and, and living abroad for the past uh, decade at least, um, ranging from, yeah, Africa, uh, Geneva, London, uh, different parts in North Africa, the Middle East, uh, Southeast Asia. So I've been trying to very much, I mean, use the world as part of my inspiration, both in terms of 
work and, and studies and in my career. So um, yeah, and, and my research is also involved very much in, in international migration, global health. So I've always been drawn by the whole yeah, internationalization of, of the world and globalization as, as a whole. It's so interesting. I mean, I, I, I have to just, we're not going to talk about it because I've already told you once before, like your job, I find it to be so like intellectually intimidating <laughs> to me. <laughs> I don't know why. No, but I'm just really super, it makes me feel dumb. Like it really does. I don't like, <laughs> and that takes a lot because I, I often feel like I know the best <laughs> everyone. <laughs> But if you could just kind of explain to people, because your job actually allowed you to travel a lot um, and especially to places of the world that a lot of people don't necessarily tend to have on their list of holiday destinations. Could you just give a little overview of what it is that you do or did? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I start. I started out, I mean, during my studies, just getting very interested in, uh, well, basically the world around me and, and conflict uh, studies and um, yeah, different war zones that I uh, were interested in how it, it developed and how people become resilient and how people uh, move through, um, you know, despair and, and these kinds of things that occur to you during conflict and war. So I, I've been traveling and working on issues related to that in um, Palestine, in uh, Libya, during the uprising there in um, different parts of uh, West Africa and East Africa. Um, and this was all through my my work as a well human rights defender and, and project manager at Dignity. Uh, called Danish Institute Against Torture, an international organization that basically, yeah, fights uh, against violence and inhumane ill treatment. And so I was fascinated by the fact that, I mean, how could, you know, people be able to commit these kinds of, you know, heinous crimes, but also states and, and how these um, develop over time. So that was my work for about nine years. I uh, traveled over, conducted over uh, 70 field missions and international assignments, uh, mostly in in conflict uh, affected areas of the world. So it's really not, you know, bucket list types of destinations. Um, but at the same time, you know, you have to have some, some sort of, you know, stability. So whenever I wasn't working or weren't, you know, traveling during, during, uh, you know, field missions, I really needed to escape that kind of, you know, um, environment. So that was also why I, I started traveling, you know, privately to, you know, other destinations that weren't, uh, related to, you know, all these horrible things that also exist in the world. And and that's how my, you know, kind of love for nature um, also grew. I mean, traveling through hiking mountains and jungles and all these kinds of things suddenly became my way of um, venting all these things that I, you know, was were really part of my everyday life, you know, both in terms of work life, but you always kind of take your work home. And um, so, so that really became a way for me to um, also like just kind of detach yourself from some of the 
bad exactly. things. Like, yeah. yeah, 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 pretty much. And 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 that was you know simultaneously and and really it really helped me um, also understand the world better. I think to have both sides of yeah. of that. Well, I find it very interesting because I think that it's funny how sometimes we just end up with things that, you know, job-wise or career-wise where it just naturally goes with who we are as a person. Personally, I couldn't do that job. I, I would be so emotionally, like my anxiety, if it wasn't bad before, like that was certainly getting up <laughs> and ringing every single day as I wake up. Um, but the thing is, for someone like you, it was just the exact right thing because I think you're very much like me except – you know, like when it comes to like traveling and wanting, you know, we're both from Denmark as well, which is a relatively small country mm-hmm. <laughs> with, yeah. you know, limited possibilities to a, to a large extent, you know, so we've both sort of connected on the whole, you know, wanting to see more of the world and kind of experience other cultures and stuff like that. So for you, that was such a great point to be able to travel through your work because it got you out of Denmark. And it, I guess it kind of like got that, itch kind of scratched for you a little bit but then at the same time it was also in a way where you felt you know that you're you know you're you're needed like your work is needed you know so that's really interesting I mean we we personally we we met actually in Denmark and then I moved to the UK and lived in London and then you came because you were studying in yeah in Essex actually yeah yeah, and that's when yeah. six months in London, was it? Yeah, was exactly. it six months? Really? Yeah. So where we kind of reconnected again there. But then after that, it was so funny because from outside, for me, looking into your life, this was also, you know, this was back when I, you know, I did, hadn't really got into Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. Oh, my God, we're so old. <laughs> this is before all, all of that hype. Yeah. But it was so funny because when we then, when I then got into Instagram and Facebook a few years after you'd left, I'd seen that you'd been to so many places. You had been around the world and you, up until recently, has, haven't really stopped, you mm. know. <laughs> yeah. It you have, it's like nonstop. It's really been nonstop. I mean, I think it naturally, obviously, due to the pandemic, stopped um, because of you know travel restrictions. But also, it 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 kind of stopped when when I uh, became a mother. Um, but at the same time, which happened recently, um, but at the same time, I was actually doing my maternity leave in Greenland. So it was also kind of an adventure, to say at least. Um, a Did different you give kind birth of birth in Denmark or in Greenland? In Did Greenland. You in Greenland. Yeah, well, so there you go. I mean, <laughs> your son is like a citizen of the world. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And um, yeah, so it, it has really been nonstop traveling. And I could feel that during this, you know, period of, of no travels um, that I could finally, like, wow. I mean, what happened during the past decade? I mean, I've been everywhere and um, Mm. what do I want? And all these kinds of, you know, thoughts of, do you want to continue this kind of, you know, life? And um, is it possible to do that uh, with, you know, starting your family and all these kinds of thoughts? And and I really, I mean, reached a point where I, I really never wanted to have any kind of uh hinders or because you always i mean as a woman a female um 
young woman growing up in a minority in Denmark, you have all these different kinds of, you know, categories, um, limitations and everything uh, that's just there to make it difficult for you, um, even though they don't really exist, but they are, you know, constructed in different kinds of narratives and discourses. And I have just been so... Um, against that i mean i've been fighting that my whole life that you really can do whatever you set your mind to i i want to work uh abroad i want to travel i'm gonna do it i don't care whatever you guys are thinking or saying and so um that has really been part of my uh mo kind of you know uh, okay so you think i can't do it uh well i'll prove you wrong kind of thing <laughs> so uh, this uh, also becoming a mother and you know being told that oh you really need to settle down i mean even before that getting a partner it was like okay now you're not single anymore now you need to you know relax mm. i was like no, I actually started traveling even more <laughs> after meeting uh, my now husband, and uh, and also traveling together um, has been uh, and a new experience instead of you know just traveling by yourself. And the same goes for you know work work wise is also just you know accelerated in terms of also now moving away from the the more you know um ngo kind of activistic work to the academia i just started my my phd studies which are also internationally based i mean focused especially on the mediterranean and north african region so i think it's i mean it seems like i'm continuing the traveling but you know in different uh, modalities than than before. Well, I love that because the thing is that you've touched on a few subjects already in that that I could I I, I just want to explore it so much more because you you said it yourself. There's these constructs, these narratives that make us feel as if this is not a lifestyle that we should be pursuing. You know, we should be at home. We should do the education next to our mum and dad. We'll get married. We'll set it down. Have the kids. But in in all of this that we're being taught culturally, religiously, traditionally, whatever you want to call it. Uh, or wherever it may come from, we're being taught to follow this these steps. And in nowhere in these steps does it say, but go out and travel, explore, mm -hmm. figure out who you are mm -hmm. and design a life that you want to live. And mm -hmm. that life can look however you want it to. It doesn't have to be here. You can literally travel across the world, a new continent every six months, if that's really what you want to do. And having a child or having a husband doesn't have to change that narrative for you. You can you can mold your life however you see fit. And I think you've been very, very successful at doing that because I also, I have to be honest when, cause so when you got married, I was still living in the UK. And so I never actually met your husband until afterwards. <laughs> um, not that I needed to, like I had to okay him. That sounded weird, didn't it? <laughs> But it's just like, I didn't meet him. So I didn't know what, who, like what kind of character he was. And I thought, okay, in my backwards cultural raised mind of how things happen as an ethnic Muslim girl, you have to then, you know, sit back and relax. Now you're married. Now you've got to take a step back. And I thought kind of the same for you. And then I saw you guys, you know, driving on motorbikes. Uh, was it in Russia? You know, yeah, the honeymoon, yeah, yeah. and then you moved to the Greenland together, and and I just, I was just like, I was so impressed that you didn't let any of that stop you. In fact, as I said, I mean, it just accelerated for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we are conditioned to think like that. I mean, because we are 
maybe, I mean, raised, but also, again, uh, our environment is telling us as women that, you know, you don't, you shouldn't be that ambitious or you shouldn't dream that big or someday you'll become a wife and a mother and then you'll have to, you know, kind of always rearrange your your life. Um, and I was just not, yeah, digging that vibe <laughs> at all. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I also obviously uh, met my partner and, and because or we kind of um, matched in the way that we both saw that, you know, traveling and traveling together and, and by ourselves, which we've done a lot as well, is important for us. And and I, I wouldn't be able to um, be with someone who's like, okay, now you're done your travel, it's over, and now you need to, you know, be a wife at home kind of person so so yeah. obviously it's also been um something that i wanted to see in in another person and wanted them to also be able to recognize that as not just a phase which some people also uh think that you know it, being adventurous or curious about the world is like it's gonna pass over someday and you just want to sit on your couch all day anyways but um so so I think that was part of of why it, it continued. Basically, is that I also met someone who who saw that as as uh, or could recognize that drive and that wanting to go on adventures and uh, push these boundaries of what a uh, uh, Muslim marriage is and all these kinds of things. Mm. Um, and also the fact that I was even told by my uh, girlfriends that. If before I, I met my partner that, well, if you want to have that kind of life, it's not going to be with a Muslim man because. Wow, that's a statement. Yeah, that was pretty much like, what? Um, because mm. they are not going to allow you to have that kind of life. And and I was just, okay, I will find that one. Who will? Good for you. Yeah. No, but it, it's again, you know, being, um, you know, non-conform and just, trying to yeah design your life after what you want um mm. from it and and not vice versa uh, and you know yeah i think that's that's really important and it doesn't have to be like you want to travel the world or these kinds of things that's uh the essential part but but really like what do you want um and not be hindered by other people's opinions and ideas of of what a Muslim woman can or cannot do. I love that you said it. I really do. And I love that you've already sort of touched on it. And because it ultimately comes down to, you know, we're we're being surrounded from the moment we're kids or children. We're being, I mean, I remember my mum talking to me, like from like my, some of my earliest memories was one day you're going to have to cook for your husband and you have to clean the house. So you have to learn these things now because one day you're going to be your wife. You know, that was the ambition. That was the dream. You know, it was, it was all about the moment I became a wife. And when I was a wife, then that was me sort of like fulfilling my life destiny, so to speak. It was all, like that was the feeling of it. Mm. And I see so many young Muslim women now to the point like th th they've got it ingrained to the point where that is still what they, you know, 
achieve want to aspire like that's what they aspire to be the most and there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a wife like absolutely nothing wrong with being wanting to be a wife but sometimes it's the it's the it's the um notion that you're allowed to choose yourself first as well so i'm a life coach now and i'm coaching all these muslim women who are sort of stuck between a western culture and sort of more like the eastern cultures or the arabic cultures and one of the things that keeps happening is for these very ambitious young women who are taking these amazing educations, who've got great jobs and making a great living and who are by all means independent women, that their concern is that they're too independent to get married, you know? And so that's what you also said, you know, that you're too ambitious, you know? So people will be like, you're too ambitious. You know, you're not gonna get married to a Muslim because Muslim men, for some reason, we've got this idea that Muslim men don't want ambitious, driven, successful women, which I also believe is a lie because I've clearly also married a man who loves that about me. You've married a man who loves that about you. I know plenty of women who have married Muslim men who appreciate that their wives have their own dreams and goals mm-hmm. right yeah. i mean so can you speak a little into that subject as well yeah i mean definitely um and it it is there's been a a discourse about you know muslim men brown men whatever being very um backwards dominant yeah uh patriarchal which is true i mean it exists uh i'm not you know talking it down but it's not the the whole truth obviously it's just always these you know generalizations that we keep um and stereotypes that we you know keep alive by also i mean it was as i mentioned my girlfriends who are educated and um i mean like me who kept insisting like you're not gonna find a muslim man who will be able to you know create that life with you and it was a kind of shocking um but i mean i i have personally and there's nothing wrong if you are but i was never really you know aspiring to um being a wife or getting married all these kind of things but obviously i wanted a family at one point and that was like kind of the package like okay Mm. it will happen one day but it's not my top three kind of uh, priority at the moment so I was like okay it's I don't mind whatever it's I'm not in a hurry um mm. while I could see that many of my you know um girlfriends were really that was kind of a, a top priority but it was also linked to the fact that many of them wouldn't um weren't allowed to or uh, travel or be independent and and be able to the possibilities that I had and and I Mm. I really um attribute a lot of you know the fact that I could travel and have the job that I had which was international and living abroad during my studies um to my parents and and I was you know, uh, I had support from my father and and that was really key in terms of, you know, people were talking anyways, uh, as as he kept saying. So just do you. Um, and, and I mm. think that's maybe uh, not the norm, unfortunately, that you have a father that's really like, go travel the world. That was basically, I mean, his his ambition um, for me. And I really loved that uh, about him. And um, so so that was really supportive for me that I had 
trust and confidence from my family to just, you know, go out there and be the best you kind of thing. And and that helped yeah. me in not being what I can, I mean, I, I imagine it being so difficult if you don't have that kind of support uh, mm-hmm. from your family or your close network. Um, and that so you have you- to... Yeah, sorry. What do you reckon is the thing about it? So that because it is, let's be real, it is something that's very new for our culture to to have a, a, a young Muslim woman, uh, ethnic as well, you know, Arabic. Um, well, you're what, <laughs> Arabic, Baba, <laughs> one or the other, little mixture. Um, travel alone. I mean, that mm-hmm. in and of itself, right there, is so so much of a you know you're pushing a boundary for a lot of people that this is even a, a an option for you i mean what why do you reckon it's so dangerous for a lot of people to have young muslim women going out there and experiencing the world for themselves and you know learning about the world that way yeah. what's the fear <laughs> what's the fear yeah that i think it's it's very much i mean it's obviously gendered because you don't have the same discussions with the the boys, um, the young men going abroad and traveling the world, but it's it's I think it's very much linked up to to um, being a, a woman and the social status that the woman in Islam has uh, for many, and and that obviously also by some scholars that you have to have permission from your uncle or, or father, male relatives before going. And um, I actually experienced because I was assigned to do a, uh, a job in or a project in Saudi Arabia, uh, but I couldn't travel to the country without a male um, companion. There was I was there was before uh, obviously I was married and either way he wouldn't be able to join me anyways because it was a project of my own. So um, these structures do exist. I mean that was even formalized in uh, you know travel um, arrangements for Saudi Arabia. So uh, the, these kinds of you know ideas uh, prevail still in many societies uh, and even in in the Western world, uh, I mean, um, women are more uh, fragile, vulnerable, um, you know, all these kinds of, you know, they can be uh, raped, sexually abused, or, you know, it's too dangerous, or they could, you know, suddenly become um, uh, promiscuous or get the wrong ideas. So there's all these kinds of, you know, different um arguments or claims mm. that uh, a woman and especially a Muslim woman um, can't travel alone because, you know, ABCD kinds of yeah. things will happen. Yeah, there's like a whole list of reasons why people believe that it's, you know, yeah. that women are that much more fragile uh, in traveling. But in fact, I would argue, and and so I guess would you, or I believe would you, that it actually strengthens a person's um well, a, a ho- just that it strengthens a person. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> but it just you gives know? you, um, yeah, and and it builds. I think it builds character, and it, it helps. You know, um, strengthen so many on so many levels. I mean, it really. Mm. My travels have 
not just I mean hasn't just been great memories and exploring and but also the fact that uh, it's part of me now I mean it builds per perspective as well on the world you learn about different cultures different worlds different um, everything is just uh, a learning experience and I really it it breaks my heart sometimes to hear about people who are not allowed to have that experience um, of, of traveling uh, or exploring whatever kind of, you know, place in, in the world that you want. Yeah. I'm curious to, to hear from you because um, so my 10 years in London was also the 10 years where I felt like I rediscovered who I am without sort of the interfering of you know, well, family, <laughs> and then the environment I was brought up with, you know, that same type of thinking that you're sort of raised with. And so traveling helped me find myself and my own voice and who I am. And as a result of that, you know, um, directly and indirectly, it helped me also to strengthen my believe in God, you know, my come back to Islam and feel like, okay, actually I am a Muslim, not because I was raised with it, but because it is truly what I believe. So how do you feel like traveling can actually help strengthen a, the connection with yourself, you know, to, to really stand by who you are and understand who you are when mum and dad are not breathing down your neck, telling you to be a dentist and marry Ibrahim from down the road. But you know, when you actually have a choice, to make for yourself and also in terms of religion when it's not somebody telling you wear a hijab pray fast do this that and the other but you actually having a chance to find that out for yourself yeah i mean um and this is also why i really want to stress that traveling it, it's not just you know physical traveling outwards in the world it has also very much been an inwards travel and um, it had helped me very much. I mean, just meeting people, and I've I've worked in many Muslim countries as well during um, during the last yeah plus ten years, and just being experienced to different types of um, thoughts on Islam. Um, it's very different in you know a Muslim community in Ghana and then a Muslim community in Bangladesh and being raised in a you know more Moroccan Arabic upbringing um, and that kind of Muslim thought. It, it creates you know you start um, seeing Islam and embracing it as so diverse which it is, which is, mm. it is. I mean we, we have this idea of Islam being very um, kind of monolith um, and only exists in the Middle East. I mean, it's so, it's so. Um, yeah, it's outdated. It's completely it's outdated. That thought. <laughs> it's outdated and it's, it's very narrow because, um, mm. I mean, you have billions of Muslims and different yeah. ways of interpreting and clothing and what modesty means uh, in different cultures. So I've, I've definitely it helped me a lot in, in terms of also finding my, uh, you know, Islam and and also embracing the, the diversity that exists within it. And I think the, the spiritual part of me have, of, of Islam has always been a part of me and it's also grown um, definitely over the years um, meeting different you know spiritual communities um, and mm. also just 
being in, I mean, I've prayed in so many different mosques around the world, just being able to see the Islamic architecture and, and all these different kinds of, you know, aspects of it has, has really enriched my connection to uh, Islam. Mm, that's beautiful. I think that the, the fear is that by going out traveling is that you somehow, you know, let Satan get in and, and push you further away and then you'll sin and you'll, I don't know, do drugs and have sex with it, as you said, be promiscuous and yeah. do all these things. And in reality, when you, most of the time I find, I, I live by the rule of like, if you try and force someone to do something, the connection usually will weaken from that person to the thing that you're trying to get them to do. But if you're actually allowing the space for people to find their own connection, it becomes far more organic and real. Um, so, you know, when you give young Muslim women the choice of Islam yeah. rather than forcing Islam upon her and giving her the choice of independence, the choice of marriage, the choice of living here or going somewhere else, the reality is I think that most people, when they stand with the choice, actually end up going where they were from in the beginning or like sort of I'm just going to stick with what I know with. Mm -hmm. And it's the rarest person who will sort of completely divert. And of course that can happen. So I'm not saying that that's not going to happen sometimes, but it's, it's the rarest cases where if you give someone the space to explore, they're actually not going to come back, you know, mm -hmm. a worse person for it. They're actually going to get, get that growth and become better people for it in essentially. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree completely. Um, and, and that has really been um, the case for me as well. And um, again, I mean, it's it's also helped um, in terms of just also being, I think it's, it's going to sound so cliche, but becoming a better person, uh, yeah. a better human being. And, and um, yeah. That's and, not cliche, by the way. That's totally <laughs> true. <laughs> Yeah, I was yeah. a horrible person when I left Denmark. I was a much better person <laughs> after 10 years of being yeah. on my own. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's just being able to to be a you know, curious, naturally curious person. I think we all are inside. We're all curious human beings. I mean, children are curious by nature. So we somehow unlearn that. And, and I think traveling helps us reconnect with that kind of you know curiosity for the world and and that i think translates into okay what do i want in this world well, where is my place in this world what can i give to this world and I, and i think that that kind of synergy is um essential yeah absolutely so i mean i'm curious to find out for you um when you were starting to do all this traveling and moving around now i know you said you had you know the the support of your family but you must have had some type of conscious at least on a subconscious level some knowledge around the fact that you were doing something that wasn't stereotypically done by young muslim women you know going out there and traveling on your own and things like that i mean what kind of um, thoughts did you have at the time? Were you afraid that some of these things, these limitations were going to be true for you? Or were you kind of, were you just really good at just kind of brushing it off and just being like, nah, I don't care? <laughs> I think, it, uh, I mean, a different, I had different reaction at different phases, but I would say I, I've always been a bit rebellious as as a girl growing up uh i mean i was i was the kind of you know uh i 
really didn't want to play with my dolls. I wanted to play with, you know, uh, cars. I wanted to play soccer. So I've always kind of wanted to just go against the norm, I think. And so um, I knew that it was not, you know, um, the most acceptable kind of line in in terms of, you know, the cultural and the, the community um, wanting to live by myself abroad in wherever I wanted, uh, Ghana or Geneva or London. Um, but again, I, I just felt like I really, I, I brushed it off as a way of saying that uh, this is really what I want. I want to explore, I want to travel and I want to learn because I mean, those kinds of of travels were related to my studies. So for me, it was really, okay, if you guys want me to educate myself, then this is the best way for me to learn. I mean, I, I, I'm not really gonna learn anything sitting here in the living room, reading a book. I, I need to be out there and, and see what's going on. Been more, do you think it would have been more difficult had you not had you not had the studies to sort of lean up against and be like, but it's, it's part of my studies. Yeah, I think I think so. I think it helped me, and but I think I think I was smart about it. I mean, I I uh, deliberately, uh, so to speak, uh, chose you know electives and courses that were interest internationally minded because that was my interest, obviously. Um, so I really uh, was leaning to you know an argumenting also for my parents it wasn't like okay just go bye-bye you had to argument like I, I had to make my case for you know living and backpacking in in West Africa at the age of 20 um, yeah. because I just really wanted to know something about global health like you can just <laughs> go to the library <laughs> but um yeah, but but it was really I was leaning up against, and then it's also kind of I think for parents safer that you have a some kinds of you know structure and there's a university that's uh, you know having organizing and and these kinds of things that it's not just going on your own kind of travel. But I eventually also ended up doing that as well. Um, but. Um, I think the the infrastructure was was very helpful for me in terms of uh, the first early travels, and and then I also think my my family, my parents realized that I was actually thriving and I was happy doing this. Um, that they just you know, it just became a non-issue that I was never home, always traveling. People were like, "Where's your daughter?" I mean, um, I don't know, she's in Nepal <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so um yeah and, and they knew and i knew that people were talking like what's up with this uh moroccan girl i mean she's never home she's never at any weddings what is she doing um and so yeah uh, but i think we just you know accepted that some are just not gonna you know be part of those narratives um and mm. i just i certainly didn't want to be um but but again i mean it's also a very fine line because i didn't want to be seen as this um exceptional kind of uh breaking the norms kind of person because i just really saw it as something very natural essential for me to do it wasn't anything you know spectacular 
in terms of uh, I I also heard from you know uh, ethnic Danes being shocked that I would be able to travel, and that kind of frustrated me that it was seen as something like completely one in a million kind of thing because uh, it is not one in a million. I mean, we are many Muslim women who are, uh, you know, uh, conquering mountains and diving and traveling and developing vaccines and whatnot. And it's just not um, this this very narrow idea again of what Muslim woman is and, and can aspire to. And it's both coming from the community within, uh, but also the the majority of the, the society around you. Yeah, yeah. So like people like like you, people like me, um, we become you know a, an exception to a rule. When in reality, we are the rule. You know, yeah, <laughs> we're not exactly. we're not the exception yeah. because obviously we're all living our separate lives and doing what we want to do. And then if you're looking at it with the goggles that all Muslim women are sitting at home, their dad and their brothers telling them how to live their life, they'll just be popping out babies till the day they die and they won't say a word. Then clearly, yeah. when they meet people like us, they'll be like, "What? What? No, yeah. but you're not a real Muslim then, or something like yeah, that." Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> If I had a nickel for every time I heard, oh, are you Muslim? You're not a real Muslim. I mean, I would yeah. be super rich. So, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Because there is this very, I mean, outdated idea and stereotype about, you know, what a Muslim is. Yeah. I, I want to hear from you sort of in terms of travel, but I guess it could be anything as well. So if there's any of our listeners who are sitting out there right now, who was like, who's like, oh my God, I really want to travel, but I'm sitting in a situation where, I don't know, maybe they don't have the studies to lean up against right now, or maybe they are worried about the sort of the cultural implications of finding a husband perhaps, or maybe they, they're worried that they maybe they, they, they are married, but you know, they have kids and, or they want to have kids and all these things. What's like, what kind of gold nuggets i know i'm putting you on the spot here but like do you have any gold nuggets for people who are sitting out there who really want to go travel but are really feeling constricted because of the cultural narrative that's kind of following them around yeah i mean it's uh obviously it's it's well it's a big question it's uh also very individual i i think because um well, obviously, it's there's also, um, and it's important to mention. I mean, the aspect of privilege is very much involved in in traveling as a whole. I mean, we, I work in migration, and and so many people are just uh, immobilized uh, because of different structures at state level, at community level. Um, so it's not just easy for everyone to get up and travel i mean and during these um you know times of, of pandemic it's even more difficult for, for people mm. to move around um but but i definitely think i mean uh becoming a part of some sort of of network uh of it could be if you're interested in i don't know um international politics or it could be uh some sort of you know art thing or I mean using social media to connect to different kinds of, of groups where you could uh, 
connect with people that are not living next door or in the same Ooh. country, that also helps broaden, you know, horizons mm. and get ideas across borders. And I um, said to people in the past, um, which is far less glamorous than your answer, I've said to them, well, how about just moving to the next country, not the country, um, town, yeah. you know, so if you're from um, London, move to Brighton, you know, just that distance yeah. in and of itself can be like sometimes enough to figure out whether or not you dare put even more distance between yeah. you and your relatives or whatever it might be you know you don't have to as you say you don't have to go and travel you know yeah. 70 countries in nine years was it 70 countries in nine years yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know you, you can start like you know you know you can start small and yeah. then work your way up there somehow but again as you say it's super super individual and depends yeah. on the, like the person's yeah, I mean, so it's not privilege, as you not said. For everyone, yeah, definitely. I mean, and and just trying it out. I mean, you can have. I've I've known people who've had the dream of they would want, you know, wanted to be a, a international uh, gypsy for life kind of you know approach, and then they went on their first like big uh, kind of, um, backpack travel and they hated it and just like, mm. no, this is not life for me. So, so it's not for everyone. And, and some people just want to have, you know, a weekend, uh, on the countryside. And that's also, uh, a adventure. I, I mean, I also call it adventure sometimes and not travel because that seems just so, you know, mundane or kind of, but, but adventure can be everywhere. It can be in your neighborhood, just, you know, in a, in a park or something, you could, experience an adventure for itself it could be an inward adventure uh, yeah. but just allowing yourself to have those adventures I think is important yeah and I think it's it's like this whole conversation is just so important because of what it ultimately always comes back down to is that as Muslim women you're allowed to choose yourself and and your story you're allowed to to choose your path and you're allowed to design your life how you want even if it doesn't look like what the convention conventional image of a muslim woman's life other people would want to have you believe that that sentence makes sense you got it i was trying to be like oh i'm gonna come in <laughs> but like i i you know i just what i'm saying is just that you know other people will want you to believe a certain narrative but it's not necessarily the truth you're allowed to go out there and make your own you know create your own path create your own story and if that involves riding a harley davidson through russia on your honeymoon with your husband then so be it be the muslim woman who rides a harley davidson yeah you know <laughs> be that be that bitch <laughs> <laughs> yeah no definitely yeah i mean yeah so so we're coming up on time now. Um, so uh, we're just going to round up here. I'd love to see if you've got anything that you'd like to say to our listeners, any word of advice, anything that you want to remind them. And then also if you've got, um, it, it can kind of just drop your handle. We're going to leave it obviously in the show notes as well. So you can go and find uh, Ahlam um, on Instagram and stuff like that. But yeah, Ahlam, over to you. Yeah, thanks. I, I mean, um I think it's, again, another cliche that's my favorite thing to do, but really to be true to yourself. I mean, find what makes you happy and don't let any of these, you know, categorizations and stereotypes limit you. And mm -hmm. I mean, the world is so big. It's so big. And when you start to, you know, get yourself out there, you actually realize that 
it does humanize you because because every people in a you know village in in Liberia uh, you have so many similarities to them and dreams you can share with them your ideas for I'm babbling. Um, no, you're not. It's, it's yeah, super beautiful. But, and I'm like yeah. nodding my head. I'm agreeing. <laughs> you're not babbling. It's beautiful. Preach. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but definitely, I mean, and, and again, an adventure is, is, could happen in your country. Uh, it could happen, you know, around the corner. It's just allowing yourself to have it. Yeah, I, I love important. that. I love that. Where can people people find you if they'd like to connect with you? Well, they can find me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is basically just my name, Ahlam Shmleli. And um, on Facebook, which is also my name. <laughs> and on yeah. Twitter, which is more the professional part of my work. But that's also Ahlam Shmleli. That's great. So we're going to put a link for all of the handles in the show notes. So go definitely give her a follow, check her out. Look at the images, the pictures she's talk. You know, this girl can also take a a picture you know <laughs> she, she's got she's multi-talented over here um but yeah definitely go check her out thank you guys so much for listening in today thank you ahlam for being a part of this podcast i'm so excited that you came here and, and shared your story with the listeners i'm sure that there were so many out there right now who are like where can i go next <laughs> what, what am i gonna do now yeah thank <laughs> so you thank, thank you, you sarah so for inviting me it's been a pleasure no the pleasure was mine Thank you so much for listening in to today's episode. If you want to connect with me elsewhere, you can find the links to my socials on zarapedersen.com. Before you go, I'd love it if you could leave me a review or tell a friend about the podcast. And if you're new here, you might as well subscribe. You'll be back. I know it. You know it. There's no point in delaying the commitment. Welcome to the sisterhood, babe. Until next time, please don't forget to live in love.